0: I've called and talked to probably 20 or 30 people, using them as a soundboard this week, throwing it against them and seeing how it bounced back. Because <laughs> you know, I understand that you know, the church needs to speak about what we're going through. Because I know this. As a family, we're talking about these things behind closed doors. And if we are really a family, we need to be able to talk about them inside these doors. You know, I don't like to take public stances. on I mean, political stances. I don't tell you who to vote for. I tell you what the Word of God says. I don't get involved in political issues. I'm called to deal with spiritual issues. And that's what we're dealing with right now as a nation. We're dealing with spiritual issues. And so preparing this week, I'm telling you, I've talked to pastors all over the country. I've talked to evangelists all over, literally this week I've made as many calls as I could make and throwing this at them to see if there was any error in what I'm going to, I felt, because I'm I'm saying like this, I don't feel like I came today with the word about God. I feel like I came today with the word from God. And so there's a difference. And so I uh, like I, said, I haven't spent as much time preparing a message like I have this one because I know this. I am a middle-aged white man that's middle class, considered America. And I'm about to preach about some issues or talk about some issues that on the outside looking, I don't have a clue. I'm just being honest. I was raised in a home that did not see color. Um, and when I say did not see color, I know that's a cliche white phrase. Um, I was raised and where my mother and father were so influenced by black people in their lives as children um, that I was raised not just seeing equality, but I was taught to respect most of the black people in my life. My sister's godmother... Is a African American lady. I told the early service on well, Mother's Day when my my sister buys my mom a gift, she also buys Sister Vanny Hago a Mother's Day gift and goes and drops it off there. That's how connected we have. Pastor Donald and Sister Thelma McRae, they were my spiritual parents, along with my personal parents. And so, when I'm saying this, is I, that doesn't you know, I'm not saying that I understand everything. What I'm saying is the problem with who I am is. I was raised in a way where I did not see racism or issues. Then the problem with that is this. My best friends. Most of them were African American and it played out to be for my favor. I was a little guy with a big mouth and because I had some big African-American friends, it got me out of a lot of trouble a lot of times. You know, when I should have got beat up, my friends stood up. <laughs> All right, And so it I benefited me a lot of times. And so what I'm saying is, I didn't see color, but I also didn't see color. And that means when we would go somewhere, I wasn't treated in any other way because of the color of my skin, but I also did not recognize or understand when they were. And so, I know I'm not the poster boy to preach this message. I understand that. But the position I hold in the church here, I feel like I have to by a mandate of God. Saying that to say this, um, I am notorious. Jennifer, as a married couple, what we do is I don't get to post anything on Facebook. Because it has to go through a filter, <laughs> because it'll either be spelt wrong, worded wrong, or maybe be a color, uh, a uh, off-color joke that I think not dirty, but I'll go that I think is funny. That she says no, <laughs> <All right? laughs> saying that to say this, I might misspeak. I'm very nervous about misspeaking. Don't I don't mean any harm. I'm going to speak to you like I have my friends who are you know, of different race or color my whole life. And I'm going to use the same respect that I use to my spiritual um, leaders in my family of every color and race. So if I do misspeak, hopefully you know me enough by now that that's just, I mess up, okay? (laughs) So I'm laying that out there. Um, Next thing is, I want to lay out before we go, is I believe we have to speak about this now. Because Wednesday night, I was, I was, although I could not zoom, we're still working out through so many technical problems since moving back into the building that uh, I was, but I was online. And the last question asked was, what can we do? I believe that's basically the major question of the heart of just about everybody in the nation right now. What can we do? Um, And I believe that has to be addressed as a church this morning. That being said, it's not going to be a political message, but there will be a lot of probably politically charged things in this. Uh, We're living in an amazing time. Never seen a time like this in my history. Most of uh, America has never lived through a time like we're in. We've been through um, social injustice time before, been through changes, but we're facing pandemic And we're facing a nation under rest. We are seeing the worst of the worst come out of our nation right now. We're also seeing the best of the best come out of our nation right now. We're seeing people do unbelievably horrible things right now. We're seeing some of the greatest acts of love on the face of the planet coming out of people right now. This is an amazing time. And I know this. Pastor Maurice has been preaching for a year on, you know, the Lord's been saying that he was going to remove cataracts. I believe we are at the brink of a major revival... In America and the thing about it is if people don't know we need change when change comes it will just pass us by so I believe that God is allowing the unrest to show up so that we know when the revival comes what the answer is and so we're moving toward this in, a, in an amazing time in history I'm not afraid of what we're going through I'm not scared of what we're going through I know the answer to what we're going through is Jesus now what I want to do today is just talk about what are me and you supposed to do while we're going through this situation okay And so, I want to first jump right on and direct this. uh, Using the, the word racism or prejudice. Racism and prejudice is not a social issue. It is a spiritual issue. The spirit behind prejudice and racism is a demonic presence. It is a demonic spirit. And the purpose behind it is to send people to die and go to hell. Now... I wouldn't be addressing this if it was just a social issue. I am addressing the spirit of prejudice and the spirit of racism because the enemy is going and trying and has all the way through history used this tactic to send people to hell. It started all the way back in the Old Testament when the Jews were under the oppression of the Egyptians. It's gone all the way through history. And the spirit of racism and prejudice even showed up in the early church. When Paul and Peter were building the early church, and sad thing to say is, sometimes Christians can be involved in it. Peter, who God said, Jesus said, I'm going to use you to build the church. Peter, who was called by God to be the head of the church, he came to a time in his life where he said they walked into a room, there were some Gentiles there, and they pulled away from them and moved. He did not believe they were worthy to receive the gospel. Out of his upbringing, out of his thought pattern, or out of his belief system, he did not realize that he had just passed judgment on an entire race of people saying they don't deserve to go to heaven, they should go to hell. It's a heaven and hell issue. The spirit behind racism, the spirit behind prejudice is a heaven and hell issue. The problem with the heaven and hell issue is this. Most of America, George Varna put out a book and it says that even 51% of evangelical Christians don't believe there is a place called hell. And if it is there, they don't believe God would send people there. The truth is hell is real. And you need to know the devil's plan His sole purpose is to get as many people to go there with him as he possibly can. Hell was never created for a human being to ever enter into it. It was created for the demons, the devil, and all of the works of iniquity and darkness. But the devil wants to pull as many people with him as he can. Because he knows how it's going to end. The devil can read. He's, uh, He's read the book. Because, you say, well, how do you know? Because when he was talking to Jesus, he said, well, isn't it written? You know, throw yourself off the cliff Want to give his angel. The devil's read the Bible. And so the devil knows how this thing's going to end. And so he wants to take as many people with him as he can. And one of the greatest tools he has ever used is the spirit of, of racism or the spirit of prejudice. And it's still at work today. And so today, I want to jump in on just addressing... What can we do? In John 1, 4, 7, and 8, it's very clear. There are two tactics that the devil uses under the guise of the spirit of racism or prejudice. And the one number one tactic is hatred. If you hate anyone, there is prejudice in your heart. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. But he that loveth not, the Bible says, knoweth not God. Now you need to stop with that. If you don't know God, if there is not a knowledge of God, you're going to hell. This is a heaven and hell issue. And so, if you, it says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. So, if you hate Any race, any person, any nationality, then the enemy has used the demonic spirit of prejudice in your life for your soul's balance. It's either heaven or hell. It says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Let me go ahead and read the scripture. It says, in this love of God was manifest toward us. That's how we know God the love that He manifested, alright? It says that God God was sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be proportionate, propitiation for our sin, beloved. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Alright? So, racism in the spirit of racism main objective is to take people out of the knowledge of God and send them to hell. It's that serious. It's not a social issue. It's not a a national problem. It is a spiritual, demonic attack that the enemy has convinced so many people of. Because his main purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy the Bible. The Bible says it goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're brown, red, whatever nationality, You, anyone can be susceptible to this spirit or this demonic attack against us. And so, going into this, I just wanted to make sure we drew that out. That it is a demonic spirit. Now, it uses hatred, but another tool that the demonic spirit of racism uses... Is justice. And this is the one. That to me. Is even more. Deceiving. Than even hatred. Because you know. You can be 100% right. And still be 100% wrong. I found that out all the time. Me and Jennifer will be in a. What you could say a heated discussion. And I can be 100% right. About what I'm saying. But the way I say it the attitude I have about it, I can be 100% wrong. And so, even in the area of racism and prejudice, if maybe you're not the one that has the hatred in your heart, so the enemy will come at you with the tactic of justice. And justice is a very dangerous tactic that the devil will use. In the Old Testament, the word justice shows up 28 times. Justice is a real thing. You need to understand, justice should exist. Justice is something we all desire. But did you know the word justice is not in the New Testament, not one single time? Because things changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, I want to read to you a scripture real quick to try to point this out to you. And I am going somewhere. We are going to hopefully get somewhere. It says, you know, the the Bible says that in... Genesis, let me get all my, I've always messed my notes up and I don't put them in my book. I know that. I know better. But in Genesis chapter 4, you probably have them, Mallory. I'll just quote it. It says, Genesis chapter 4, it says, when Abel died, it says, his blood cried out. All right. There was a murder that took place, the first murder in the Bible that took place. And it says that when he murdered, the, said the blood of the man that poured out on the ground, cried out, had a voice. And it cried out, and it cried out to God for justice. Now that seems right, that feels right. When, when an injustice is done, we want the wrong to be made right. We want the price to be paid. They should get what they deserve. That's what justice says. Justice says, alright, you did the time or crime, you should pay the crime. But You did the crime, you should pay the time. And that feels so right. I mean, I don't know how many times in my life when somebody did me wrong, i like, I get them. Look what they did. I want justice. Cried out for justice. Now, the problem with justice is this. Here in the Old Testament, 28 times it's used. And God is a just God. And God does perform justice. He can't do anything but be just. Now, the thing about it is, in the Old Testament, the blood that was spilled in a murder cried out for justice. In the New Testament. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says that Jesus' blood cried out for a better thing. It says... Jesus' blood cries out for a better thing. Hebrews, pull it. Did you get that one, Miss Mal? I want you to see this one. See, Old Testament, blood cried out for justice. New Testament, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood sprinkles that speaks better things than that of Abel. Something changed. And the Bible here calls it a new covenant. Now, I'm I'm laying this out before we go to where we're going. I want to make it very clear. Justice is a real thing. If you go to Isaiah 33, verse 5, the Bible talks about there being justice. It says, the Lord is exalted. It says, and He dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice. I love that, because justice is a thing. But then the Bible says, and righteousness. In the New Testament, I tell you, in the Old Testament, 28 times the word justice is there. In the New Testament, not one time is the word justice mentioned. As a matter of fact, it's a Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Greek word that we replace in the area of the New Testament, we don't have a word for. English, when they translated the Greek to the English, they don't have a word for what this word actually is. In the Old Testament... The Hebrew would translate out to justice. In the New Testament, the word is... De-con- I'm going to try to say this. Dikonisian. I know it's not right. D-K-A-A-I-S-O-U-N-E. It's got a slash over it. Right. However you can say that. Right. That's the word in the New Testament that is written. Anywhere you read in the New Testament and you see the word just or justice, that's the word. For example... In Matthew it says, the just shall live by faith. We all agree with that. That's that dekinesia word. Now, the problem with that word is... I told you, that word just is not written anywhere in the New Testament because that's also everywhere in the New Testament where the word just is dekinesia. If it's everywhere the word righteousness is in the New Testament, it's the same word. In the Old Testament, the Bible's very clear. There's justice, and there's righteousness. Said it there in Isaiah. In the New Testament, there's only one word, and when we translated the Bible into English, out of the Greek Hebrew, we didn't have a word that would separate justice, and righteousness. So every time in the New Testament, Deconisia, I'm, I'm going somewhere, stay with me, I know this is boring, but it, it's translated this. So the reason why now, what they did was, because the Greek language is such a deeper language than our English language. And it goes to me, every time it's written, it meant something so much deeper. When they translated it into English, we tried to make it, they tried to put it into place where it went. So when you see the word just in the English Bible, in the New Testament... It always has to deal with criminal law or offenses of that manner. But it's the same word as righteousness. So when you see just in the New Testament, in our, when you read just or justice, it was because it was dealing in the context of that Scripture being legally or law-abiding or law-breaking. The same word anytime it was used socially, spiritually, relationally, or a dealing with an act among society, it didn't put just, it put righteousness. Because in the Old Testament, justice was the law that reigned. In the New Testament, as believers, the law that we're to reign under is righteousness. Now the church has taught righteousness for years as being us being right before God. And there's no denying that. Righteousness is a noun. And in the noun form, it is a us being right with God. I have right standing with the Lord. It says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Alright? That's a noun term. God has made me righteous. Also, in the New Testament, it's a verb. That's why in Matthew where it says that when you give your alms to the poor, you have just acted an act of righteousness. Being the same word as justice, but... Justice did not exist in the New Testament. Under the New Covenant, justice. Now, why would that be? Why would God want to take justice out of our lives? Why would God want to take, is justice a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. But let me tell you what Isaiah thirty-two sixteen says about justice. It says this, it says, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness. And then it says this, And righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Now, which one had you rather be? Justice exists, but there's something better. It's exactly what it says in Hebrew about Jesus. It says, Abel's blood cried out, but Jesus' blood, under the new covenant, cries out a better thing. So, what I want to share today is, I'm going to talk about the, the, the unrest of what we're going through as a nation, but I want to let us know what we're to do in this. And it's a heaven and hell issue. It is, it's going to come down to heaven or hell. It's a spiritual thing. The devil, the, the, the spirit behind racism is trying to get as many people to go to hell before all this is over. You need to understand that. Uh, I am a firm believer. We are in the last days. I am a firm believer. Uh, You can look all the way through Bible prophecy. We're there. I mean, we're just right there. And so, I believe this is one of the last pushes the enemy is going to get before the great revival that the Bible talks about coming in the end days come. But if the enemy can get as many people hung on this one, it's a heaven and hell issue. Racism and the spirit of prejudice will keep people from being affected By the revival that's coming forth. And that's why I believe it's erupting everywhere like it is today. Because we're about to see God do something amazing. The Bible says it in the last days. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Now, what you need to understand about that is this. When he pours out his spirit, he's not pouring out his spirit for justice. It will not be a move of justice. Now, let me just jump in to say this, and this is where some people I may offend, I don't mean to offend you, I'm just going to be who I am. When I watched on the news those two guys, two white men, shoot that young black man that was not in the wrong place, not at the wrong time, not doing the wrong thing. Just running. And they shot him. It broke my heart. And I didn't see him, I'm going to be honest with you, I thought, man, that mom just lost a kid. Man, That I, I mean, it broke my heart. Uh, just a, a senseless death. Out of, out of racism, out of spirit of prejudice, just broke my heart. And this is what I thought. Did he go to heaven or hell? I don't know if he was saved. I don't know if his family went to church. I don't know. But there was nothing about that storyline that any information I could get out of that Whether this kid went to heaven or hell, and my heart broke. That was a spiritual thing. When I watched George Floyd get the knee put on his neck, I'm going to be—I'm just going to be honest with you. I had a different reaction. I didn't—it didn't break my heart. It made me mad because I thought the man that did that had a badge on. That man put that badge on to protect and to serve. And he did not do what he was supposed to do. And justice inside of me rose up. Then, I'm just going to be... Can we be honest? And as the, the news came out about all of George Floyd's um, information, George Floyd was not at the right place doing the right thing At the right time. And then. I got mad again. I'm just going to be honest. Because. See. Justice. Wants you to stand up and do something about. When wrong was done. And. I'm just going to be honest. Like. Abel's blood cried out. For justice. And I know all around the nation right now. People are calling out. For justice. And. And. The Bible says that we can have justice. But the Bible says with justice, we will stay in a wilderness place. Justice will not fix this. Justice will not fix our nation. Justice will not turn our country toward God. But the Bible says that righteousness is in a fruitful field. Now, there are two different things here. And justice says this. Justice says, when a wrong is done, to make it right, it must be corrected. That's justice. Now, a lot of times because we don't understand what righteousness is, it's hard for us to move into a place of understanding that Righteousness is better than justice because it doesn't feel like when, when we think of righteousness, you think of turn the other cheek. When you think of righteousness, you think of passive, just pulling back and you need to understand something. No, righteousness has a stand to it. Righteousness has a fight for it. Do I believe that the protests and things going wrong in the nation right now? Are righteous? I believe they can be. I was at a Black Lives Matter protest yesterday because I needed to go and I needed to see. And so I was there. And while I was there, yeah, I saw and I was amazed at what I did see. Because I did see a lot of people demanding justice. But I also saw a lot of people crying out for righteousness. Now, as a church, we get a choice to make in this and what's going on. The question was laid out Wednesday night, then what can we or what should we do? We've got a choice whether we want to demand righteousness or we want to demand justice. Righteousness is not sit on the sideline and go by. As a matter of fact, the people in the Bible that took a stand for righteousness usually did not sit down and be quiet. As a matter of fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when a whole nation... Turned and said, worship another God. They took a stand. And they said, I am not going to bow down. Because I know in the sight of the Lord that this is wrong. Righteousness, I mean, righteousness is not, not bending a knee. When racial injustice is done. Daniel. The Bible, you know, when we read about Daniel and they made the law that you couldn't pray. Daniel held a peaceful protest. Because the Bible says he walked up to the window and he opened the window. He could have left the window closed. But he opened the window and he knelt down before the window and he prayed. He made a stand not for justice. He said, I can pray to whoever I want to. He made a stand for righteousness. I will only pray to my one true God. When David... When a demonic spirit came upon David, I mean, no, David came upon Saul. And that demonic spirit would oppress him up to a point that he would get so enraged that he would want to kill David. And he would pursue David and chase David. David would have to run and hide in caves. And he would have to run into the mountains. The Bible says that there came a point where when David was hiding in a cave, he been pushed back so far that Saul walked into that cave and... David cut off part of his skirt tail. David didn't walk away like a passive-aggressive Christian, thinking that spiritualness is quietness. The Bible says he got up on a hill and he said, Hey, you've gone too far. This This is injustice and I'm going to stand for righteousness. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I'm going to do right what's before me and the Lord. Now, saying all this, you need to understand how a demonic spirit works. The Bible says that the demonic spirits can oppress and possess. Now, the translations of those words both come back to the meaning of under the influence. So, when a demonic spirit, or like it says, the demonic spirit would come upon Saul, he was under the influence of a demonic spirit. When you're under the influence of a demonic spirit, it's like being intoxicated. When a man gets intoxicated with alcohol, he may be a good man. But you can take a good man, fill him full of alcohol, and he will do bad things. You need to understand that that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a demonic spirit that is intoxicating people. Because you need to understand, even those that are acting out of racism and prejudice... They, uh, I, we said this earlier in this, uh, you know, we have different colored skin, but every single person in here bleeds red and every single person in her spirit looks exactly the same. Because the Bible says that our spirits were made in the likeness and the image of God. That means all of our spirits are the same color. And if you've got a problem with that, they're the same colors as God. Because it was the likeness, the appearance and the image. So what I'm saying is this. The demonic spirit of racism it will put people under the influence, just like alcohol will put them under and spirits that were made in the image of God will be under the influence of a demonic presence and they need to be saved as well. It's a heaven and hell issue. Now going into this, what is the answer? We can demand justice as a church. Because I agree. Police brutality, when you put the badge on, you do have a a responsibility to protect and to serve. That's what the badge means. Protect and to serve. And to abuse that power, justice must step up and demand that wrong be made right. Now, i got to be honest with you. I don't want to be... The one that has to do that. I'd rather be the one that can raise the voice. Reason why? The Bible says this. And this is one of the most misquoted scriptures in the entire Bible. The Bible says, judge not. Now, Christians love to take that and be like, oh, you shouldn't judge me. That's not true. The Bible is very clear on, as Christians, we are to be judges. But the Bible says, judge not. Least, in the same manner, you are judged likewise. Meaning, if you're going to put yourself in the place of a judge, you also put yourself under the place of judgment. Does that make sense? Saying this, when people put on that badge, they are held to a higher standard. The Bible so who much is given, more is required. And so that was an injustice. I agree. Racial inequality in America is an injustice. Now, the problem with injustice is this. It will not fix what we're dealing with. Declaring justice will not fix this. That's why God gave us a better thing. When God gave us a better thing, the decognizia, the righteousness, this is the thing that God gave us so that we can change our future. Justice demands Pay for the past. Righteousness demands a better future. It can't stay this way. It has to change, and we're not going to allow this to be this way any longer. Now, going into this, we need to understand how to make this happen. Would you agree? I, uh, you know, because if, if 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 righteousness is a noun, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus paid a price for me, and made me something that I'm not. I'm a noun. I also need to know how to act out the verb. The action of righteousness. Because, like when I got angry, when I saw the injustice, I wanted to demand an answer instead of find the solution. Justice demands answers. Retribution and payment. You need to understand, you can have justice without righteousness. But you cannot have righteousness without justice. And so, if we as a church will make the difference and make the understanding that we can't make this about justice. Because if it's just about justice, people will still die and people will still go to hell. But if we as a church will understand what well, what we're facing is a spiritual issue and a natural solution to a spiritual issue will still spend people going to hell daily, then we have to understand the answer is going to be spiritual. And the answer of spiritual justice is righteousness. Now we need to understand what that is. And I know I'm gonna, you give me five minutes, I'm gonna try to knock this down. It's it's The best picture in the Bible of the difference between righteousness and justice in the New Testament is found in the book of John, verse 8. The Bible says, and I'll read it to you, because there are four stages in the process of righteousness versus justice. In John, chapter 8, it says this, and it says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down. This is the seat of judgment. This is where Jesus was and this is why the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus. Because a judge, the way they judged, the judge would sit in the center of the town and they would bring the accusers in front of him and he would pass judgment. And check out what happened here. It says, and then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Alright? Wasn't rumor. Wasn't hearsay. She was caught. And check it out. It says, the Bible says, in the very act. So, somebody videotaped it. And there was no denying the fact that this happened. Alright? So, it says, he sat down in the midst of him and he said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses... And the law commands us that such should be stoned. That was the law. Said they should stone him. And this is what the Bible... Now check this out. I mean, everything sounds right up to this point right here. I mean, and to be honest, in the Old Testament, there were a lot of people stoned. Achan, this sounds tough. But when Achan got caught picking up out of Jericho and putting in his tent... Bible said they had to take him outside the camp and they stoned him and they stoned his wife and they stoned all his children. That's justice. That's hard. i got to be honest with you. I'm so glad God's made something better because I don't want what I deserve. And it's just the truth. I don't want... I deserve what I deserve. That's justice. But I don't want what I deserve because I was wrong. And then it says this, it Says, but check out what he says. It says, now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This, it says, they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him of. They knew that if he demanded justice, then the same thing that he would demand would be demanded on him. They thought they had got him. They thought they had found him with him. They thought if they could get Jesus to move in justice they could destroy Jesus. And this is what it says. And it says this, it says it says but Jesus or, I'm sorry, it says this they said, test them that they might have something to accuse him of. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. Alright, so he goes down and does this number here. Then check out what he did. I love, I love his actions. Righteousness Has actions. It's not to sit by. It's not to watch. There are things that we're supposed to do. And so, so then he continued. It says, and then they continued asking him. And it says he raised himself up. He was in a place of judgment. They came wanting him to demand justice. But the Bible says he rose up in authority. This is not a justice stance. This is an authority stance. Jesus stood up and took control of the room. He realized what was going on. He realized that if I move in judgment and I cause judgment and I would be right according to the law. That they would have something. They would have me in a place that he would be pinned into. Because once you demand justice, you have to put yourself under justice. And here, Jesus said, he rose up, he took authority. And then this is where righteousness comes into play. The Bible says he walked over to her and he knelt down. Now, what you've got to understand is the no theologian knows this. There's been debates and all kinds of things. But when he wrote down and reached in and wrote on the, on the ground, nobody knows what he wrote. The Bible doesn't say. Some people have preached that he began to write their names because he said the man that has no sin throw the first stone. Some people have said what he began to do was he wrote their sins. I like that one. Because of this they were coming, passing judgment on her. So therefore, for judgment to exist in the room, He had to pass judgment on them. And the Bible said this, they began to slip out, without saying anything, in order of age, one after another. They were running from judgment, because judgment is not the best thing. When judgment is for you, it's good. But when good judgment turns on you, (laughs) you will run and he wrote this out and they left then the Bible said this and this is where he moved into righteousness it says he stooped down to her because righteousness does take a humbling and righteousness does take a a bringing yourself down because of this the Bible says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves now that's hard to do and I'm going to be honest with you, most right things in our life to do are the hardest things to do. You ever been in a fight and you knew you needed to apologize? Man, you did not want to. I mean, you've been in an argument. And I mean, I know I I said it in a way I didn't want need to say it. And I didn't. Usually, I mean, usually I wait and get away and cool down before I come back and say, I'm sorry, but the Lord's been challenging on me that I need to repent in a moment <laughs> because I can't move into righteousness without humbling myself. And humbling yourself is not letting yourself be a doormat. Humbling yourself is making yourself do the right thing because God said, do it. Jesus knelt down, humbled himself, but he didn't say, now he lifted her up. And this is what righteousness does righteousness tells you about your future, judgment tries to deal with your past. And Jesus said this, He didn't mention a thing that she did, but He told her what to do from this point on. As a nation, so many are right now crying for justice. We have to cry for righteousness. Because we can't go back and do anything that's been done. But we can determine that the future from this point on, it can never be this way again. Jesus said, go and sin no more. And she rose up from there, and her life and her world was different from that point on. If we're going to change this thing, we're going to have to decide justice isn't good enough. We're as a church, we're going to have to move into righteousness. Now let me show you, real quick. I'm going to throw this together, and I'm going to give you three things that we have to do to make sure we move into righteousness. The best modern-day explanation of how important righteousness versus justice is, is in the 70s. There was the civil rights movement across our nation, and there were two major personalities that took the stage. One was Martin Luther King Jr., and one was Malcolm X. Now, it is as blatant as the nose on our face, the difference between those two. Martin Luther King talked about, let's go Malcolm X., He was right in everything that he said about all the wrongs that had been done. He was right about every injustice that the African-American community was going through and women were going through at that time. And he chose to stand up on the fight of justice. He stood up on the fight of justice. He said, this is wrong and you should pay. Now the problem with that spirit is if you judge, you must put yourself under judgment. Malcolm X died, believed in, fought for, and died for his cause. But he's burning in hell today. Without a doubt, undeniably. He was of Muslim faith. He fought for Muslim rights. Muslim faith does not believe in righteousness. They carried through the same judgment of the Old Testament. That's why you know, when he would declare justice, he was speaking it out of his faith, but he died a Muslim. But during his lifetime, in his fight for justice, it was the largest revi- Muslim revival in America's history. More young black American people turned to the Muslim faith during that time because he was preaching right. But there was something better. He wanted justice. And because what he was saying was right, thousands and I would even go as far as to say millions of people saw what he was saying was right. So therefore, they began to follow him in his footsteps and they even followed him into his faith. And if I go today to any prison in America, I pulled the stats, I look; There are more young African-American men that are Muslims in prisons, than there are young African-American Christians. Because they heard the voice of justice and it felt right. And they followed a leader that has led them to hell. Because if you are a Muslim, there's only one way to heaven. And it is Jesus Christ. And I don't care what you believe, what direction you go. he, He followed them there. This is a heaven and hell issue. Martin Luther King, he did, not, he, he did not deny the wrongs that were done in our country. He did not, though, put his finger on it and say, I want justice. What he said was, I have a dream. And he spoke what righteousness would do for our future. We have a choice to demand righteousness in this season. Or we have a better option. We can be what God's created us. And righteousness is just not me right with the Lord. Righteousness, like the Bible says, if I give alms to the poor, it's a righteous act. Righteousness is the way I treat you. Right. The way I talk. The way I walk. Righteousness is a verb that must be lived out. It's a choice that you must make. And usually the right thing is the hardest thing to do. And so, what do we do? What are the actions of righteousness? Well, there are three. Number one, we have to pray. If we're going to, in this season, be used by God, And we're not going to move into justice. We want to be used by God in a better way. We have to, number one, move into righteousness. Understand that righteousness is an act. And righteousness starts with prayer. That's why he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You've got to start praying about this thing and quit talking about this thing. Every time somebody brings it up, you go out and say, let's pray over our nation. Let's pray that God's going to change this thing. Let's pray that people's heart would begin to turn to the Lord. So that people will stop in the midst of this thing and dying and going to hell. But they would come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And you cannot come into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is without knowing love. And so you've got to Move into prayer. You must make it a personal responsibility to pray. Every time the news is on, you need to pray over what you're seeing. Every time, you need to make it a personal, a, a personal weight that you carry. The weight and the fight of righteousness. And it starts with prayer. So we got to pray. Number two, got to say. We can't be silent at this moment. I was at a Black Lives Matter protest yesterday. And I know the controversial in this thing is all lives matter. I agree. Like I say, every one of our spirits have been made the same in the image of God. They all matter. But we all have a birthday. But not every day do I walk up to Miss Doris and say happy birthday. Because that's not her birthday if it's not. Today is not the day we need to hear all lives matter. Today it is the African American community that's going through this. And as a church, we need to say, all black lives matter. It needs to be said. On, when, when, it, when the Lord rises up to deal with abortion, we need, every unborn life matters. And some people don't agree with me, but that needs to be the voice. We need to say, black lives matter. We need to say that there's a better way of doing what we've been doing. We need to say... Our nation needs to turn back to God. If we'll humble ourselves and pray. Not everybody. Not that the Bible, that Scripture is not written to everybody. It says, if my people who are called by my name. This is the church's responsibility. And so we pray. We say. And so every time we're around somebody and they speak judgment. About, man, he did that. That should happen. We need to speak righteousness. But he, Well, that could, but... You know, if our nation would come together and people would... You've got to speak future. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. That's that Deconeseal word. That means the same thing as righteous. The righteous live by faith. Faith is uh, seeing those things as not as though they were. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you're not talking about what God should do in this nation, you're not moving into faith, you're not fighting for righteousness. If all you can talk about is what's happening, you're wanting judgment. There's a better way. And thirdly, we have to stay. You matter now more than ever. And you are needed to be a part of what God's doing. You need to stay in church. You need to stay together. We need to stay involved. What I mean by that is, oh, it don't matter if you're here next Sunday. Yes, it does matter. Because you have no idea. We are one of the only interracial churches in this city. Multicultural I said that wrong, because there's only one race, human race. but multicultural church in this city, people are watching us. That while I was at that Black Lives Matter yesterday, and people that I know saw me. when I walked up, they stepped away, and that kind of bothered me at first., "No so, judging me, look at that. <laughs> But then I realized they don't know who I am, and they don't know what I'm here for. But they were watching me. And when I knelt, when they knelt, and that was a long time. I, for eight minutes and 45 seconds was a long time. If you don't think wrong was done there, kneel down on your knee for eight minutes and 45 seconds. That's a long time. We can talk about justice or we can talk about righteousness. Instead of putting our knees On people's neck, We need to put our knees on altars. And we need to tell people when they talk about that. Say you know if we would pray about this. More than we talk about this. We could make a fight for righteousness. And we could change something spiritually. That will change our country. Right? But we got to stay together. Pray pray together. And we got to say together. This is what I've asked our staff. Don't say anything. That I can't repeat. And I won't say anything. You can't repeat. Because as a white man, there are things I could say that a black man couldn't repeat. And as a black man or a black woman, they could, you could say something that I can't repeat. We need to say together. And pray together. And stay together. And check out what will happen. The promises are all the way through the Scripture on this. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name. So they're, they're praying. They're saying. They're staying. Bible says I will be there in the midst of them. And this is what the Bible says. Where the Holy Spirit is, there is not justice. Now, we don't need justice right now. It says where the Holy Spirit is, there is righteousness. And once there's righteousness, we will get peace. It says, and then when peace comes, we will all be happy again. It will be joy. Because the Bible says there is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you. We are the very church in this city that can change this entire city. The Bible says there in First John, it says that Jesus is the light of the world. All right, Then Jesus said, you are the light of the world. This is the moment. That we all need to be lights. But that's not where that scripture ends. The Bible says you're the light of the world. But then it says this. You are a city set on a hill. Do you know one light can't be a city? Can't do it. That's a light. But as we pray together. We say together and we stay together. We become a city that the Bible says that He sits on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's only a matter of time before righteousness Peace and joy returns to our life. So, as a church, we have to do it. Amen? And I promise I won't preach racially charged messages next week because I'm not preaching. We've got a great speaker. But I just want to take a minute while we're together. I want us to say, I want us to pray while we're together because you have stayed through all this. <laughs> and I want to just ask God, Father God, as we're a church here together, We come humbling ourselves before You. We know, God, this is a mess. And no man's going to fix it. And God, I don't want what I deserve. I ask You to give me grace, not judgment. I ask You to give our nation grace, not judgment. I ask You to give everyone involved in what's going on grace and not judgment. And Lord, I ask You to call a spirit of righteousness out of us. And cause it to rise up within us. That we would stand and fight for righteousness. When we want to see justice, we will choose righteousness. When we feel like justice should be served, we'll choose to let you fight the battle for us. And we will stand for righteousness. And we will see your hand move. I pray over Atlanta right now. God, I'll be there Wednesday. God, I ask you that the riots that erupted there last night, over that young man getting shot. Lord, I ask You right now to cause Your Holy Spirit to bring righteousness into that city. And bring peace into that city. And bring joy back into the hearts of people in our nation again. Lord, I ask You over our entire nation. Over Eldorado and the city. I thank You that as You pour Your Spirit out in these last days, we're going to see a movement of righteousness, peace, and joy like never before. And we cry out for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey guys, I love you. I didn't mean to hold you so long. But these are serious things. And as a church, what can we do? You must pray. You have to say. And we got to stay together. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you in Camden tonight. If you're coming, if not, watch it on Facebook.